0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Captain's Log, the show devoted to discussions and insights into pop culture with an emphasis on cinema in the occasional themed episodes. This is your captain speaking, José Valle, and it's time for us to begin our transmission. started 0903 2019. Welcome back everybody to another episode of Captain's Log. Now let's address the elephant in the room. Uh, yes I know this episode is a little more than late uh, and I just want to apologize about that. Uh, it's just been a crazy couple of weeks uh, since the last one. Um, I moved back out to Iowa for college and uh, between getting moved in, adjusting to classes, you know, applying for jobs, and even helping my roommate uh, get moved in. I just couldn't find the time to sit down and properly do this but finally, I just made the time, so here we are. Uh, before we get any further into the show, though, I do just want to take a minute and thank all the people that listened to the last two episodes. Our listenership doubled almost, our listenership almost doubled in size. Uh, of course, I, I want to thank Ethan and Jesus for being on the show and everybody else, their friends and family, whoever that listened. We're getting there, and I really appreciate the people that are, that do listen to the show, um, so Thanks for that. Um Yeah, so we are recording, uh so my hope was once I got back on campus that I was gonna continue to use the studio, the recording studio we actually have on campus, but there's been a lot of changes to the program recently, not just with structure of classes and stuff. So I'm a digital communications major, right? And um, there's been a lot of changes to the program, not just in structure, but in facilities and whatnot. So they're renovating that entire facility. And so there's like a lot of clutter and stuff, and it's not even completely open to students yet. Um, so because of that, I'm back to recording on on my on-the-go microphone uh, that I was recording when I was home for the summer in my dorm. So you might hear a couple of noises here and there. Uh, I've unplugged all my appliances so they don't make any noise, but you might hear my roommates, people walking in the halls, cars outside so i apologize about that in advance um but uh we're gonna make it work right yeah it's been it's been uh it's been a a fun last couple weeks since moving back out to iowa for school i love this little town oscaloosa i mean it's not (laughs) it's not the most glamorous of places but it's a nice hometown and i love this campus um there are things that would fix about it sure but uh it's a nice campus and a nice experience i mean i've just been um you know getting back into the groove of things hanging out with my friends uh and and like i said I, I, I had to go and pick up my my roommate from uh his hometown um and get him out here a couple of days late but he's uh, he's great he's a great guy um he was actually one of my friends from last year and we finally were able to be roommates in this year we actually just got done i'm only i'm only saying this because i feel pretty proud about myself but we just got done doing a workout he's he's uh trained in um uh, I don't know if I'm mispronouncing this, but it's Mu- Muay Thai uh, martial arts. Uh, and so he's been training for about five, six months. And so he's helping me train so I can, you know, slim down and get in shape. And this guy's putting me to work. Let me say that right now. You know, Coach Coach Kose is what I call him. His name's Kosey. But uh, he's, been putting, he's been putting my ass to work. <laughs> so he just got done doing a long grueling workout uh, but uh power through the pain because uh you know you want to be healthy and you want to look your best right um but yeah between that working out we've 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 hit pads and stuff so I'm, i think uh, ufc and the whole idea of mixed martial arts it's super fascinating I'm, I'm wanting to get into it more uh partly because of him but also partly because of the, the stuff we've done the workouts we've done it's, it's a lot of fun and it's actually really interesting to me um but we've hit pads and stuff and that's super fun just learning combos and techniques or whatever so everybody out there that thinks this show is crap and thinks it can take me on give me 5-6 months and we'll meet in the streets and we'll settle this like a guy who's trained somewhat by another guy who's trained somewhat in martial arts and a guy who's you who hasn't trained so so that's the update of my life, everything's going good um, working again with the athletics department at the university creating videos running, doing broadcasting and stuff like that um, and I've also just I'm, re- I'm going to be starting this week at a local movie theater. It's a super small town theater, but I love movies and um I love the opportunity for money, so it <laughs> just made sense. I do want to I do want to give a shout out to my uncle. Uh his name's uh Rafa. Uh I- he, is just, he has been in the U.S. for the past couple months uh, working uh, on, a, on, a, on a work visa, but uh, we haven't seen him in 13 years since we left Mexico, so it's super cool. He's with my family back home right now, and I'm trying to organize my schedule and plan a trip so that I can get out there and, and see him before he leaves. He leaves the next month, but uh, Theo, if you're listening to this, hello. All right, with that all out of the way, let's get into the news of the week. Did you see the news that HBO has set a premiere date for Damon Lindelof's adaptation of Watchmen? The series is set to premiere on Sunday, October 20th at 9pm. The series is based on Alan Moore's acclaimed 1980s set graphic novel series, and the logline from HBO is as follows. Set in an alternate history where mass vigilantes are treated as outlaws, Watchmen embraces the nostalgia of the original groundbreaking graphic novel of the same name, while attempting to break new ground of its own. We don't know a whole lot about this uh, new series uh, and about their take on the famed comic series, but we do know it's not going to be a straight retelling of the 12-issue graphic novel series, but instead it's going to be something new that takes place roughly about 30 years later. Uh, It's canon, Lindelof said, uh, of the events that happen in the graphic novel. During the Television Critics Association press tour in July, he said... Everything that happened in those 12 issues could not be messed with. We were married to it. There's no rebooting happening. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm not super well versed in the comic run of The Watchmen, but I'm a huge fan of the uh, movie, the Zack Snyder, or The Watchmen movie. I think it's arguably one of the, the better things that he's done. I love it. It's, I think it's one of my favorite comic book adaptations that he's done. Some of his other work, it's still debatable, whether or not how I feel about it. Um, but a lot of people actually were, you know, there was that sort of confusion speculation about whether or not this would uh, take place in the comic universe or in the uh, movie universe. The difference is, although the movie was a somewhat close adaptation from my understanding, it changed a big major thing, which was uh, in the end, there's this sort of world changing event that's planned by the who you could say is the, the villain, uh, Ozymandias, or Ozymandias. Um and in the graphic novel, it's originally a uh, a giant squid that uh, attacks that he sets loose on the uh, on the city. Um, whereas he sets loose on the city or something like that, I don't remember. But, but whereas in the uh, in the movie. It is, uh, he frames Dr. Manhattan for a series of nuclear disasters that happened. So he makes it seem like it was Manhattan who had something to do with these. So a lot of people were like, is it going to be following that? Or is it going to be, you know, following the idea of the giant squid? Because, frankly, I think that would be hilarious. But, uh, you know, to just sort of, yeah, this is all happening in a world that was affected because of this giant squid that was set loose. Although I do think we've gotten to a point in comic book movies and the 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 movie world right now where i think comic book adaptations and and comic book movies and film uh, and tv series can actually keep some of the more fantastical elements from their source material just because uh comic books and superhero the superhero genre has become so mainstream uh that you know you can now be more whimsical and more fantastical and i'm all for it i love that so if it is that although this kind of seems like he's confirming that it might be set uh in the squid uh world or octopus world uh because he's talking about how what happened in those issues rather than what happens in the like he's not saying like yeah what happened in the story or like you saw in the film or whatever he's talking about the issue so it makes me wonder if it's if it's going to be uh set like ignoring the events in the movie, but but not rebooting the series. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited though. I'm, I'm definitely going to be watching this. I've actually, I haven't read the book. Like I said, I've read the, uh, I've watched the movie, but I have not read the comic series. A, a buddy of mine actually, Mason Trader, friend of the podcast, was on the podcast. Uh, he, all the way back when it first started, he actually uh, lent me his uh, copy of Watchmen. I was over at his house and <clears throat> and uh, he, he was like hey I've been reading Watchmen comics and I was like no way I've, I really want to get into it so he let me borrow it and I'm going to be reading it and I might be <clears throat> recommending it in the next episode depending on how good it is I, I feel like I'm going to like it I'm going to enjoy it a lot um, but uh, no I'm definitely going to be watching this I'm intrigued as to what it is they're going to be doing I've seen the trailer the trailer kind of piqued my interest um, and I'm all for the cast Jeremy Irons is starring out I'm a huge Jeremy Irons fan I love him I think he's a really good actor. Uh, I mean, he'll always be scarred to me, and I know that's stupid and dumb, but but anyway, no, I'll definitely be checking this out. Uh, did you Hoovians, see the news that Peter Capaldi has joined the cast of the upcoming James Gunn-directed Suicide Squad sequel? Pete Davidson is apparently also in talks to come on board. For those of you not familiar with who Peter Capaldi is, um, he's a Scottish actor who took on the role of the 12th Doctor in the... British sci-fi series, Doctor Who. Uh, he's a great guy, he's a great guy. I love Peter Capaldi, um, he's like, you know, I fell in love with him with, through Doctor Who, but he's he's honestly, I think he's a very talented guy and I, I wish he would be in more mainstream roles and I'm excited for this because, uh, you know, it's the possibility of him being in a big budget blockbuster superhero film. And uh, he's a really talented guy and I really love him. He's, um, he's uh, you, you can find him in a variety of things uh you can all uh, you can find him in a previous recommendation which was uh lewis capaldi someone someone you loved music video he's in that he's the the old man in the film but anyway so this is really exciting uh, i'm really excited to see this uh my fr- i texted my friend about it earlier max uh max Penion, also friend of the podcast was also on the show but i texted him earlier and i was like hey did you see that peter capaldi is supposed to be in joining the cast of Suicide Squad 2, and he was like, what? Like Peter Capaldi in a James Gunn superhero movie, like James Gunn and Peter Capaldi working together, because we're both Whovians, and so that's really exciting. Any Doctor Who fan has got to be excited for this. Yeah, although it fell flat with critics, the original Suicide Squad was a box office sensation, grossing $746.8 million worldwide. worldwide. Uh, the Suicide Squad, which is the title of the sequel maybe reboot uh, will hit theaters on August 6th 2021. Did you see the news that everybody's favorite uh, dedicated actor Joaquin Phoenix apparently lost 52 pounds for the role of the Joker and according to Phoenix it was an absolutely vital part of the role saying the first thing was the weight loss that's really what I started with as it turns out that impacts your psychology. And you really start to go mad when you lose that much weight in that amount of time. There's also a book about political assassins that I thought was interesting and breaks down the different types of personalities that do those sorts of things I do in the film. That's insane. 50 pounds. That's you know, I mean, yeah, it's not it's a common thing, it seems like in in, in Hollywood for these celebrities to undergo these drastic weight loss, but god damn 52 pounds he's not a big guy like he's not ever he's not he's not like a f- you know he's no chris pratt where it's like oh wow you know you got rid. Re- like that's seems unhealthy christ almighty i need to know what the hell he did to lose that i mean i, I lo- love to lose 52 pounds uh i've heard the joker is already getting good reviews and some are even talking about the possibility of phoenix's name being thrown in the half for best actor uh so maybe it was all worth it um i'm definitely going to be checking out the joker i'm really intrigued by it uh, I like the idea of a sort of Scorsese-like uh, crime thriller kind of thing. Uh, the last trailer made me a little uh, a little uh, about it because I'm like at the end of the day, like it's uh, it might be a really great film and it's this great idea, but also you have to remember I don't I don't like this thing that's happening where we're getting movies about these traditionally horrible villains and it's like all of a sudden like oh they weren't the real villain the villain was society the villain was expectations or whatever and yes that's a real thing but it's also like the joker is a psychopath who murders people for fun he is the bad guy you have to remember that no matter how he's painted in whatever way you also have you have to remember the Joker is a bad guy he's not this beloved you know he's not this oh just misunderstood kind of guy like i always i've always hated when people idolize the relationship between the joker and harley it's don't get me wrong it's great reading material but it's an abusive and horrible relationship. Like I hated when people, you know, it was like around Suicide Squad and it was this big thing online where it was like, you know, like the Joker, like you know, the Joker protected his queen or whatever. Harley was his queen. God help anyone that disrespected the queen or whatever. And it's like yeah, the guy was an abusive asshole to her. Like you can't be like, oh, a couple goals. I want. I also want to be brainwashed by a psychopath and and constantly be in an abusive relationship where he doesn't seem to treat me as an equal partner and seems to just treat me as some sort of object sorry I'm, I'm ranting here but i'm saying as good as this film might be i think some people out there need to remember that the joker is a villain and the things that he might do or his point his expression points of views and and, exp, and what his views expressed in the film are that of a Mentally unstable psychopath and should not be recreated or idolized. Okay, let's just put that out there right now. With that being said, I'm definitely going to be in the movie theater and I'm definitely going to be watching this movie and it's probably going to be, I'm probably going to find it good. Who knows? We'll see. I thought Venom wasn't going to be that bad and it was garbage. If any Venom fans are out there and I've just offended you, I'm sorry. You can like it if you want, that's totally fine. Me, don't like Venom. Did you see the news about Star Wars Rise of Skywalker? which is set to be an epic finale to the Skywalker saga. And an instrumental part of that time frame has been the iconic protocol droid-slash-busybody C-3PO, played by actor Anthony Daniels. So naturally, on the final day of filming uh, director J.J. Abrams' grand finale, there was bound to be tears. During the D23 Expo, Anthony Daniels spoke with reporters on the press line about his last moments on set, And in his accounting, it sounds like it was a perfect yet bittersweet ending. In fact, the actor admitted that he teared up a bit, saying, It was difficult not to tear up a bit, partly because J.J. Abrams said some really nice things and all the crew were listening and watching. I have to admit, it was an emotional moment, but I knew it was coming. I wasn't even in a scene in which I said anything. For once, 3PO was in a scene without bu- butting in. But I felt it's such a terrific movie that I thought it was okay to say goodbye. I feel satisfied with this one. I have something to be proud of that, you know, as I say goodbye. A fixture of the series since its inception in 1977, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker also looks like it could be the final installment for all go for our golden friend. During his interview with Variety, Anthony Daniels said that the ninth episode of the saga feels like it truly rounds off the story. As far as the films go, C-3PO has served his purpose. And finally, did you see the news that Robert Pattinson, or his members of the Planet Broadcasting Great Mates group know him as Robat Battenbat, was scared his chances to play the caped crusader Batman were almost blown by the leak that revealed he was in talks with Warner Brothers. He was worried that the backlash would ruin his chances, saying, When that thing leaked, I was fucking furious. Everyone was so upset. Everyone was panicking for my team. I sort of thought that I'd blown up the whole thing. And it's really interesting. Uh, I mean, eventually, uh, as we know, he is uh, set to star as the as the next Caped Crusader. And I'm actually really excited. And I, and I, d- I did kind of hate the backlash that he received because uh, if you just know him from... Twilight, then, buddy, you're missing out. He's done plenty of great work in indie films, and and he's a phenomenal actor. I think he's proved his acting chops since Twilight, uh, and I'm just so excited to see his take on on the character, and and especially since you know this is supposed to be a version of the character that we've never seen on the big screen before. He's actually got a new film coming out. Uh, I forget the name of it, but it's with Willem Dafoe, and I just watched the trailer the other day. Uh, and uh, it looks really interesting. I'm actually really intrigued by that. I might I might go see that, but I'm definitely excited uh, that he's going to be taking over the role, and um, I'm excited to see what they do with that. Uh, I don't know where the DC universe stands with what's connected and what's not connected, or if they even care to connect things anymore. Whatever, as long as they make good movies, that's what I say. Um, so I'm really excited for this. Uh, I, hope he, I hope he gets a good movie, because I, like I said, I think he's a really good, talented actor that people need to realize they're sleeping on if you ask me uh but that's all the news we've got but i have got plenty of recommendations check this out check this out all right it's been a while but that means i've had plenty of time to think of things to recommend and this week is full of good ones So let's get into it. Check this out. You should check out The IT Crowd. It's a television show. You can find it on Netflix. If you have a subscription or if not, you can find it on any of the Prime, Google Plays or YouTube-like rental services. But The IT Crowd is a British British comedic television series uh, about three IT workers. Uh, Roy, Moss, and Jen. Moss is played by Richard uh, Ayaude, uh, Jen Barber is pay- played by Catherine Parkinson, and Chris O'Dowd plays Roy. Uh, another wor- uh, member of the cast that's worth mentioning is Matt Berry, who plays Douglas Rennell, who is <laughs> hilarious. But anyway, it's a show, basically it's you know these two IT guys. They've been they're pretty much seen as the bottom of the bottom of the company. They literally work in the basement, and this this uh, this lady Jen. She gets hired as uh, the head of IT. Except the thing is, she lied. She knows nothing about computers, unlike her resume says. And so immediately when she gets down there, they both. Realize that, and they call her out, and they they basically work in an agreement where they're going to continue doing their work without being bossed by her, and she's just going to be their relationship manager and deal with the uh, interactions of people because they're not very good at that. But it's super good. It's uh, it's just a lot. It's, you know, the first couple episodes are very British comedy, I think. Um, but I mean, it's funny if you're if you're a fan of these kind of nerdier, even like lower budget, just kind of. Straight comedy shows, and I think you're gonna enjoy this. Um, the thing I really like about the show that stands out from other shows is that they'll mention something and they'll bring it back, you know, episodes or seasons later. Which I that's always been my problem with like sitcom television is a big thing will happen and then it's never mentioned again because it was just for the fact for the episode. But this, they'll you know, it'll be two seasons and they're like, hey, remember this other thing, and then. You're like, oh my gosh, I do remember that, but it's great. I love the jokes in it. I love, it. I just love the, the characters. All three of of those are, oh well, all four of those actors that I mentioned are, are great and hilarious in this show. Um, there's a lot of really just good, good jokes in it. It's just some great comedic writing, um, and it's really great. I recommend you guys check it out. It's very raunchy. It's very, lewd, but it's it's but it's it's just awesome. I love the show. Um, it's called the IT Crowd. Again, you can find it on netflix uh next is the first of two song recommendations uh a little bit of of just explaining fall is like my favorite time of the year that's like the time of the year where i just i feel like i just feel the most like myself if that makes sense but i also get into this sort of weird uh nostalgic sort of semi sad uh kind of feeling and you know is it good for my mental health hell no but i still do it but um i always like to find music that sort of adds to this feeling or this element that i don't even know how to describe this i just i always just think of it as fall you know this feeling of fall and ocean eyes by billy eilish is a song that i've been listening to on repeat recently i don't know i just really like it i think billy eilish is a very talented uh Musician, I don't like a lot of her newer stuff. I've got to admit it's not for me, but I think she has a very beautiful voice, and a lot of her early, more soft-spoken stuff is just phenomenal. And Ocean Eyes is is one that's that. I love the beat to it. I love the lyrics. I just, I really love her voice. It's very, in in this song, it's very almost angelic. It's kind of like a weird kind of, like you feel like you're in a weird kind of hazy kind of vibe, but it's really good, and I really love it. The next one is kind of, again, on that same feeling is... It's called Life in the City. It's a Lumineer song. It's part of their new album that they're releasing, the the Sparks family. It's great. I don't live in the city, right? I live in the very opposite of a city. It's as great as Oslo says of a town, it's nothing. It's l- literally but freaking nowhere, right? It's the complete opposite of that. But I do kind of relate to the sort of message that this song is putting out, and that's that, you know, life is going to be tough in certain times. You're going to feel homesick, you're going to feel this or that, and and you're going to feel like you can't do it or things are caving in or whatever, but, you know, it's okay to have that feeling and you've just got to push through it. And I also love this because I'm a huge Lumineers fan. I think I think I've talked about it multiple times on this podcast. They bring back some lyrics from Sleep on the Floor from their uh album Cleopatra and they even mention Cleopatra uh which I think is both a reference to the album and the song. And it's and I freaking love that. I love when, you know, sort of hard-hitting lyrics are repeated in throughout an artist's work. I think it's really good and and I love that they did that. So definitely check life in the city out next recommendation is a movie a paul feig film called a simple favor now i'd heard about this film a lot and i'd seen a lot of things that was like you should watch this and i was like uh maybe maybe not but then i watched an interview with one of the stars henry golding who's this phenomenal phenomenal actor he's also uh been in crazy rich asians which is arguably what sort of propelled his career but he starred in this before crazy rich asians came out it had already filmed but it was before he came out and he's just phenomenal in this so i watched it with the intention of seeing his work because i hadn't seen him act and yeah he's great but it also stars anna kendrick and blake lively both of who are great in this film Uh, it's a story of this vlog mommy anna kendrick's character who befriends this rich uh larger than life character played by uh blake lively she works for this you know designer in the city and she's very in chic and very in touch with her sexuality and whatnot. She befriends her and she kind of starts coming out of her shell with her and, and then all of a sudden, she, uh, you know, she goes missing. Blake Lively's character goes missing and Anna Kendrick's character does everything she can to figure out what's what happened, but through doing so, she realizes that she might not have known this person as well as she thought. She knew and there might or may not be a lot more to this character than what's on the surface uh henry golding he plays the uh blake lively's character's husband who's a sort of has-been writer um it's really good it's really good there were great performances all around it's a fun sort of murder mystery whodunit kind of thing not that not that there's a murder that's not a spoiler but i'm just saying it's kind of that element of it uh i won't say anything else because i don't want to give too much away but it's pretty it's pretty damn good blake lively uh i mean she's beautiful she's phenomenal i'm in love with blake lively now after watching this film she's phenomenal, and Ryan Reynolds you're a hell you're very lucky man my friend uh but no she's really great in this um i really really enjoyed her performance uh and next up is an animated film that you can watch with a family or on your own and and i'm i'm actually surprised i hadn't mentioned this yet but this is one of my favorite uh pixar disney films and it's coco Uh, coco is the story of this young boy miguel who loves music and strives to be a musician, but his whole family hates it. Literally, it's banned in his family. The whole idea of music is ridiculous to him, and he goes on this journey to the land of the dead to sort of discover the secret behind his family's hatred of music and reconnect with his long-lost ancestor, Ernesto de la Cruz, who may or may not be more than he lets on. It's a great movie. Um, I absolutely love this film. Uh you know as a latino as a a mexican um this film just hit home uh i remember when i went to go watch it in the theaters i teared up within the first five minutes just because you know the town that he lives in it was very reminiscent of, of the town that my grandmother lives in the town that my dad grew up in and i'd go visit all the time and i just never thought i'd see something like that portrayed on the big screen you know the sort of these just beautiful old uh run down mexican towns and so to see that on camera was crazy and um I don't know, it's just fun because you know, traditionally we minorities we haven't been represented in film, even animated films in the past as much as it seems like we're being represented now. And so to see a whole movie about my culture, about my beliefs, about my people and my somewhat similar like experiences of of that family and that it was just amazing. And, and you know, it's a great job all around from all the cast and Um, The kid uh, who plays Miguel, I think this is one of his first acting gigs, and he's absolutely amazing in this. Um, There's so much trivia in this that that, uh, me as a a Latino and as a Mexican, I just absolutely loved because it was some of these super obscure Easter eggs that I knew because my dad would play his old shows and his old music. And and I knew that because of that, or I'd watch old Santo movies and the Santos in it, you know, uh, Cantinflas is in it, and I just love it. I absolutely love this movie. It's a great thing to watch. I watched it when I first got out here within my first week. It wasn't good for me because it made me homesick. Uh, but it's just a fun movie to watch. Uh, there's a really great message message in the film about understanding and sort of love and, and the bond of family. Uh, and Michael Giacono or Giacchino, however you say his last name, he absolutely outdid himself in this film. Uh, his underst- I was surprised by his sort of grasp and understanding of of Mexican music and sort of when the rhythm of Mexican music because he does an amazing job of blending Mexican music with a cinematic score, and it was just chef's kiss. It was beautiful. Next up is Brightburn, which was produced by James Gunn, and I believe his brothers wrote the story for this. Basically, the story of Brightburn is what if Superman, but he was bad? Um, so it's a story by this kid, Brandon, who comes down to Earth when he's a baby, uh, and he's adopted by this, you know, uh Midwestern uh, rancher couple, Tori and Kyle, who raise him as their adoptive son, and when he starts to hit puberty, you know he he's never exhibited any sort of behavior that would make them think anything was wrong with him. But when he hits puberty, start his powers manifest, and he may or may not start going down a darker path. That's about as much as I'll say without getting into spoilers, because this is a more recent film and I really think and I really think everybody should go out and watch this film. I just watched it the other night with my roommate Kosi. Um, he'd seen it, I hadn't, I was blown away. It was it's not like the most, oh wow, amazing film. Like this is an Oscar-worthy film, but it was really, really good. Um, a lot of the things that they did in this movie, I was like, wow, I can't believe they went there. It's it's gory, it's graphic, but it's it serves the purpose of the film and it's really, really good. The sort of idea and the sort of world that they built in it, I, I absolutely love. Great performances all around. I definitely recommend Brightburn to go watch that. Yeah, it's really great. If you're a fan of the sort of darker take on, uh, sort of darker representations and darker takes on the superhero genre, you're a fan of Chronicle, The Boys, Kick Ass, that kind of thing, then I think Brightburn is definitely up there with those three. I think you should definitely go and check it out. Uh, with that, though, let's get into tonight's topic Super 8. Super 8 is a beautiful coming-of-age tale set amongst the backdrop of an alien set loose in a small town and a government conspiracy to cover it up. It is a phenomenal collaboration between Steven Spielberg and J.J. Abrams, and it's a clear inspiration for Stranger Things. It has a talented cast and a beautiful ending message. With that, let's jump in. Starting off, I love the uh, establishing of the narrative with this imagery used at the beginning to show... How many days it's been since this, you know, this mill, this factory has had an accident. Because it sort of hints that something has occurred, right? It's telling us, yeah, something happened. And then the next scene confirms it. And so it, I think this is one of the good examples of tell don't show exposition because a lot of times i think tell don't show exposition just comes across as lazy in filmmaking but in this it's really good because that's not the whole point of the film the point of the film isn't to see this incident that happened it's just to know that it happened i love the transition at the funeral front to the four months after by the clicking of the locket i'm a huge fan of hard cuts like that uh edgar wright is one of the first people that comes to mind he does this a lot and i love it uh, I've you know, i tried to incorporate that a little bit into my work, but love it, love it. Uh, I really thought it was really interesting how the kids were used to explain what helps push the narrative of a film and what constitutes as good storytelling in a film. So they have this conversation while they're shooting their uh, short film. And uh, Charles, he uh, is explaining that by having the detective's wife show up and tell him that she loves him, it makes you care about him if he's in danger had you not had that you wouldn't have cared whether or not this character died made it out or what you know whatever the hell happened with him but because of this you sort of have a connection with the character because now you're like oh no he has to get home to his wife she needs him she cares about him or oh no he's got kids or whatever so that kind of thing and I really like that because it was a good way of Abrams to be like hey look you know like I understand this and this is what this is how you make good movies or whatever but he's having it be explained to us through the view of the kids and I really like that because it wasn't straight up like, I'm going to teach you a filmmaking lesson. The film as a whole is very Stranger Things, before Stranger Things was a thing. Um, and it's a shame it doesn't get talked about as much. Because I think I love both Stranger Things and Super 8. But I think there's a clear connection between Super 8 and Stranger Things. I mean, they're both about young kids in a small uh, Midwestern town dealing with these extra-normal forces at play and government conspiracies and cover-ups, government facilities, that sort of thing. And it's really good. And I think I think, um, Super 8 was a spiritual uh, predecessor to uh, to Stranger Things. And, I, you know, it's like <clears throat> Super 8 walks so the Stranger Things could run. Um, and I think they should be both seen as equals because they're both equally as beautiful. Um, but sometimes... I prefer Super 8, and sometimes I prefer Stranger Things, but I think it's very obvious whether the inspiration came for Stranger Things uh, from this. I really like the use of the period songs. I'm a big I'm a big believer that if you're going to use a period song in a movie, it shouldn't just be like, oh, look, this was the top hit in 1970. It should be like, and what uh, happens in this film is, it's here's a song that would be playing in the background because it was a popular song or whatever, but it also helps push the feeling that we want you to feel in this scene oh we want you to feel somber or sad here's this hit from the 1970s that was somber and sad we want you to feel happy and hopeful here's a happy and hopeful thing it's not just oh we're gonna throw in this song because it's 1976 and you need to remember that it's 1976 so i really like the use of period songs in this uh, to help push that 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 those themes, you know, uh, I love the Sharona singing scene of all the boys waiting to be picked up uh, and singing as they wait. I, I think I'd heard somewhere that um, apparently the boys had done it off off screen, or no, the boys had would sing between takes. And Abrams loved that, and he was like, "Okay, we're gonna find a way to incorporate that into the into the film." But also, I feel like it also helps add to the element of realism uh, to remind us that these are real boys, they're real char- you know, they're supposed to be real people and I think that was a that was a big thing in this film is that a lot of these characters they don't it doesn't feel to me like I'm watching a film it feels to me like I'm watching a, re, a recounting of a story you know everybody in this acts and says and does things that I think an, a real person would have said and I really appreciate that and that's a, this is one of the examples of that I love the two-shot of uh, Joe and Alice which has no dialogue it's used twice in the film uh, and it's very good the usage of facial expressions to convey emotion plus silence is great and fantastic if used right, and it's absolutely used right in this it just great chef's kiss. Uh, the cut as the boys hurry to prepare the camera as a train approaches really just makes you feel the urgency with things falling, the boys scrambling to set it up, and the wind picking up the training horn getting louder and louder. And the whole time, you're like, holy hell, like you guys, like you get the camera set up, here, you're gonna miss a shot, and that's exactly what they wanted you to feel. They want you to feel the urgency and, and anxiety that these characters are feeling, and they do a great job at it. The cinematography in this film is beautiful, but this is one of the examples in which the cinematography helps push the narrative not just the narrative actually but also the aside from the theme and the narrative it also helps push the feeling which is i think is a thing that gets overlooked in modern blockbuster filmmaking is this is pushing feelings and emotions through film yeah you can do it with the soundtrack or whatever but if you can do it with a visual aspect of your film which again In my opinion, I feel blockbusters and big movies overlook and whatever, that's not their main concern. But if you want to be a good filmmaker, I want you to make me feel something. You want me to feel urgency? You want me to feel anxiety? Do this, you know, do what they did. And I I love the train crash scene. Holy hell. J.J. Abrams has said that it was purposely made to be much more sensational than a real crash would be in order to pay homage to the 70s sci-fi movies. And boy... Is it? It absolutely pays off. I mean, the build, the sense of incoming danger, then the chaos and disaster of the actual thing, brilliantly pulled off. Remember my first time watching this? I felt fear for them in the crash scene. I was like, "Oh my God, they're all dead! Like they're all gonna die! What is going to happen?" And uh, again, this is, goes back to my previous point. He does an amazing job in in this whole film of making us feel what he wants us to feel. Uh, I really love the use of close up on items: the gas pump, the camera, the firecrackers, the locket. Um, I've, try, I've tried to start adapting that into my work. I want to adapt it into my work a lot more. I just think it's really aesthetically pleasing. It's a nice little change of pace from the film occasionally, a little nice little distraction. It just looks really pretty and I love it. Um, I like how the alien interacts with the environment, his presence, uh, you know, causing the electronic disturbances, the dogs run away, and the wind rustles. I think it's so great because it sort of helps build up this. This this uh, this creature. Uh, they do a lot to tease before seeing him, but but this whole idea of how he would interact with with his uh, environment is really interesting because it's not just oh he's trudging along or whatever, but it's literally he's not meant to be in this environment. He's literally messing things up and messing with the natural order of things. His dogs are running away because they're frightened. You know, electricity's going haywire because his presence and the wind picks up because he's this massive brooding force. Um, the shot of the alien attacking the gas station, and how they hide him with a Kelvin sign, which I love that uh, Abrams uh, includes Kelvin because of his grandfather. I think that's really awesome. Uh, but I love that. I love that. I think it's a really great way to hide him for a bigger reveal. It's teasing us. It's. I really like how they reveal the, the monster, uh, the monster, the alien later on, because the whole time you're playing it up in your head. What does this guy look like? Well, you know, is it why is what's so wrong about him, what's so scary about him, and and in the end, I don't think he's too much of a frightening thing, but I just like how they make him this brooding force by doing that. There's great cinematography in this. Um, I very much love the color grading in it. It's very reminiscent of 70s films and shows. Uh, it just really feels like I'm watching an old-timey show, which I fucking love. I think it's amazing. Uh, the dusk shots specifically in this, holy hell, they're fucking beautiful. They're so damn pretty and I I love it. I love Dusk Shots, I'm a huge nerd for Dusk Shots. Uh, I tried to do some this summer in some of my films. They didn't turn out as well as we thought, but uh, but no, I'm a a lover of those and I think they were really, really nice in this. There's great performances all around, but Kyle Chandler's deputy, Elle Fanning's Alice, and Riley Griffith's Charles stand out the most to me. Uh, They're just very great authentic performances. Their dialogue and their actions feel real. They feel real, real. And I think that's because Abrams just did a phenomenal job of the writing in this film. And it really shows through the interactions with characters, their facial expressions, the things they say. Yeah, going back on that thing of how he hid the alien, I just really like how they use the environment to hide him. Uh, Hiding him with the trees with the electric worker in the mirror when Alice gets taken. Seeing less is sometimes better than seeing all. And like I said, it really helps build up suspense. Like, oh man, what does he look like? How scary is he? The dialogue between the boys is so juvenile, but it's so funny. And it's, it's meant to be juvenile, right? But it doesn't feel like it was written by 30-year-old men. It feels like these kids actually wrote what they were gonna say. It feels like things that teenagers would say, you know? it, it, it never at any point did anything come out of the character's mouth that I said, okay, well, all right, well, a 30-year-old writer in Hollywood wrote this. No, it was like, haha, yeah, he would say that in that situation. The One of the biggest things that this movie has going for it is just fantastic writing. Abrams wrote the script and he did an amazing job because I just think he really understood these characters. He really knew what they were gonna be like, how they would re- react with each other, how they would interact with their environment, their setting, and it just it just shows a lot in their writing. It's it's, it's amazing, I love it. I strive to sort of have this characterization and realism in, in my work. The reunion of the fathers with their kids, uh, at the end is very heartfelt and very sentimental. I'm not gonna lie, I teared up at that one. I just really loved how despite all the differences they had despite the things that had happened in each other's lives and how they had interacted with each other they put all that aside because ultimately they knew that they they were the only things that their kids had and their kids were the only things that they had and they had to do everything they could to be there for them because they had to do the best that they could and the best that they could hadn't been good enough and I don't know I just really like this whole idea of them realizing that they'd been wrong and They'd been wrong for trying to keep their kids from each other and, and, and just to see them literally race against the clock to be able to save them is just is just a really nice thing and I really loved it. I loved, loved, loved the symbolism of Joe letting go of the locket, it being a metaphor for him accepting his mother's death and letting her rest, it's great. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps as I talk about it, but I, I really just love that shot where it's just a locket Floating there, you know, being pulled towards the the ship, and he's holding it, and there's sort of realization dawning on his face. He knows that by letting go of that, he's not letting go of her, but he's coming to terms with what has happened, and it's 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 better. He's better off doing that than continuously holding on to the past, and it's just beautiful. Going along with the idea of the beauty of this film, it has a beautiful, beautiful score. I mean, Giacchino, he did a fantastic job yet again. He did such an amazing job. I, li- I absolutely love the score in this uh, because it's it invokes feelings of nostalgia. It invokes feelings of angst, of of summer experiences, childhood summers, of, of fear, of fright, of hope of, of you know optimism and of love and kindness. And it's just really, really great. and I love it. I think it adds so much to the film uh which which just really helps drive the message of the film home the message of that sometimes you know bad things happen in life but you can still live you know so, you know no matter how bad the situation you can still live you can still make it past it there's always more to it you can always fight and you can keep pushing you should not give up because of the, the tragedies that you've been dealt. You know, you can push past it. you should be, surround yourselves with people who care about you, who are loving and, and and another part of this message is to understand each other, to just love and understand each other, to put aside our differences and, and realize that all of us are just trying to do our best and we should just spend our days with a little more kindness. Super 8 reminds us that sometimes life is unfair and hands us tragedy when we least expect it. Sometimes we're faced with difficult situations that we didn't ask to be put in. However, what defines us in those situations is our attitude, how we choose to respond to them, whether we choose to become bitter and cold, full of hate and spite, like the alien, or whether we try to do our best to get out of them while maintaining a positive and kind attitude, like Joe. It shows us how our friendships help us in times of crisis but most importantly it teaches us that bad things happen but you can still live and live you should and with that it's time to wrap things up if you'd like to support the show you can go to patreon.com/captainslogcast and donate a dollar anything to help keep the lights on helps i'm a struggling college student i'm broke and i'm living in a box i don't have enough for i fuse i'm using my textbooks to uh, uh as hats and clothing Uh, I am starving in the street Uh, yet just today I ate a a banana peel that I found on the ground Uh, but no in all seriousness though I do want to continue to to do this and uh, yeah if if anything that you can contribute really helps whether it be 50 cents or a dollar I mean I'm not asking for anything more than two dollars like anything really helps and and I'd really appreciate it. And I'd, of course, I'd give everybody that donates a shout out. You know, depending on if this takes on or not, there might be more things to be given out for those who donate and, and whatnot. But uh, I, I of course, you'd get credits on my short films and my projects and stuff like that. So anything helps. It's patreon.com slash captainslogcast. If you'd like to write in with suggestions, tell me. If you'd like me to do... A certain movie your favorite movie discuss this tell me why you think i'm an idiot for thinking venom is bad tell me why you think i'm a genius for thinking venom is bad uh just write in with whatever um it's captainslogcast at gmail.com again that's captainslogcast cast as in podcast at gmail.com you can also follow me on instagram at j.valle underscore Uh, and now the show has a twitter yes it's fun it's exciting remember how i talked about it on the last podcast well it's happened it is captain's log pod on twitter uh i just tweet out you know um updates on the show nerdy news retweet funny nerdy stuff i tweet out uh, occasionally i tweet out some funny funny tweets some funny little 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 nerdy tweets or whatever uh, I don't know, yeah, it just goes, it, it mean the world to me if you guys went not followed. And you can find me on YouTube as Jose Valle. Uh, Valle is spelled V-A-L-L-E. For those of you that haven't caught on now, it's like Valley but without the Y. Uh, I've been posting, I'm gonna be posting two short films in the next month or so. I'm hoping to push them out by then, maybe the next two months. Uh, but re- right now I've got uh, two other short films. The one I recommend you guys go check out, A Stranger of the Crossroads. It was a film that I did with my roommate, Kosi and our two friends, Marquise and Jaden. We did them for our video productions two class as our final project, but it was really good. We put a lot of work and a lot of time and effort into that, and I, I was very satisfied with how it came out. So I would love it if you guys when, showed some love, left a like, left a comment. Uh, recently, I think the most recent thing I've posted is my summer video. It was just a little fun sort of editing kind of thing that I took on, um, but you can go check that out too. Uh, episodes of the show are posted on there i'm a little behind right now i think i'm about one or two episodes i think just one episode behind but episodes will be going up on there too uh if you like to listen to them on your tvs or whatever and you rather use youtube than uh, your spotify or your apple or whatever uh, but um, with that, though, make sure to tell your friends and family about the show. Make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, and any other podcast directory because we are on all of them now, which is fun. Um, I really, really do appreciate it, though, uh, if you would subscribe and download. It helps me know how many people are listening. Um, I was checking... Uh, my statistics the other day and it looks like we've got some listeners in Europe now which is super fun and we've got a couple in France uh, a couple in Germany and the UK uh, and some in Canada and we've got a ton of listeners all across the US which is super fun just to see this thing that I started as a thing for myself that's you know that actually gets listenership my roommate was like I was telling him about it he's like wow people actually listen to your show and I was like yeah I know surprisingly people actually listen to the show so I really appreciate I think our The most we have in the U.S. is uh, California, Nevada, Utah, Texas, and Florida are our most listened to states. But we're starting to get more and more numbers in the East Coast, uh, New York, New Jersey, some uh, up north, Michigan. Uh, It's just crazy that the people across the the world are the the country would even want to listen to me or my voice and so anyway but yeah i really appreciate it please download please subscribe it helps me a ton leave a review if you like on apple or i don't know if you can leave reviews on spotify and google play but you could definitely leave a review on apple if you could it means the world to me um give you a shout out on the show uh but with that ladies and gentlemen we've reached the end of our show tuning next week at the same time and on the same frequency for another episode by the way I'm working on it now, uh, but uh, I'm hoping to have a continuous thing of these episodes going up on Mondays. So I'll be looking out for them Monday mornings or Monday nights. Uh, but they're definitely going to be going up Mondays today, being the exception, of course. Sorry, I'm a horrible, horrible human being, and not even that. I'm just a, a lazy piece of shit, and I'm sorry. Um but uh yeah with that we've reached the end of the show. Thanks again to everyone who listens, to everyone who downloads and subscribes, everybody follow me on social media. I appreciate that a lot. Uh you guys mean the world. Uh, well, it just means the world that you guys are listening. Thank you so much. I've been your captain Jose Vaya and this has been Captain's Log. End of transmission.